Thank you for downloading this episode of A History of Central Florida podcast. This is the podcast where we explore Central Florida's history through the artifacts found in local area museums and historical societies. This series is brought to you by Riches, the regional initiative to collect the histories, experiences, and stories of Central Florida, and the Orange County Regional History Center. I am Chip Ford, and I will be your host for today's episode titled, Quilt Stories. Throughout history, textiles have been used as a method of visually conveying a narrative or story. The Bayou Tapestry, which depicts the Norman invasion of England in 1066, is a well-known example of a visual narrative conveyed through textiles. The stories and narratives that quilts can convey are not as obvious as The four quilts featured in this podcast each tell a story. We asked Dr. Amanda Sikarski from Western Michigan University to tell us more about what kinds of stories these quilts can convey. Quilts can tell a story of, uh, you know, things like uh, changes in a person's uh, life. A lot of uh, quilts, uh, especially um, signature quilts or album quilts, are made when a woman would get married or have a baby or would move out west, you know, the period of western expansion in the 19th century, you know, huge for making these these sort of uh, album quilts that tell a story of a woman's, you know, life ending in the east and then, you know, commencing again in the west. Um, you know, quilts uh, can tell us about... Uh, what people valued, what was going on at the time, you know, what a woman's political affiliations were. In the 19th century, we have all of these wonderful pattern names like Whig's Defeat and Polk in the White House. You know, there are quilts that, uh, you know, tell us what people, um, what their hobbies were, what they found interesting. You know, really anything that a person does or values can be and has been depicted on a quilt. A question then arises as to how quilts tell a story. It is easy to decipher the narrative from the Bayou Tapestry. The images of knights and horses engaged in combat clearly give a story of William the Conqueror's victory over the Saxons. The narrative's quilts offer is a bit more difficult to understand. Here, Dr. Sikarski offers several examples as to how and what quilts can tell us. One of the main things that uh, a quilt can tell us is the uh, sort of socioeconomic status of the maker. You know, is the quilt made of one large piece of fabric that would have been quite expensive in the day, or is it made up of a lot of, a lot of little scraps of fabric that might have been cut down from, you know, dresses and reused? So it tells us a lot about... Uh, the resources that a person had. Quilts can also tell us uh, about affect and state of mind, actually. So, so quilts, you know, tell us, you know, really anything about a person, you know, by looking at the fabrics, looking at the patterns, looking at the stitches, uh, you know, thinking about where these fabrics came from. Were they imported from India? Did they come from England? Were they made at home? Were they homespun? Uh, you know, just tells us, uh, you know, a whole host of things about how people lived. The term quilting can refer to two methods of producing quilts. The first method utilizes patches of cloth, or applique, sewn onto another large piece of material and stuffed with batting, usually cotton. 
The second method refers to the intricate patterns of stitching on the cloth itself. An example of this is what is known as red work quilts, which were popular in the late 19th and early 20th century. This type of quilt gets its name from the embroidered patterns using red colored thread. The mascot quilt and the Lake Mary quilt featured in this podcast are both red work quilts, and both were completed in the 1920s. Upon closer inspection of these quilts, a specific pattern can be seen. There are names inside a circle with other names radiating outward. We talked to Dorothy McDougall, a longtime quilter with over 20 years of experience, to explain what this type of red work pattern means. A lot of quilts are embroidered. It would be on a white piece of cotton or muslin. Each block would represent a different family that they kept track of the mother and father and then as it spread out to the children, to the grandchildren. What kind of story do these two red work quilts tell then? What do these names signify? We asked Dr. Sikarski to explain the significance of this type of red work pattern and the stories that they may tell. When we get into red work quilts that tend to have messages on them, or tend to have writing on them, they're probably either a quilt that was made by a group of people uh, as a wedding quilt, or a quilt that was made as a fundraising quilt. And as far as the stories they tell, yeah, they tell the story of, you know, what those people came together to accomplish. Were they giving a woman, you know, their best wishes on the eve of her wedding? Were they trying to raise money for a church or a school or for you know, Civil War veterans, you know, when there is writing on one of these red work quilts, you know, the writing definitely does cue us into what these people, you know, valued, what they came together for, and uh, a lot of times what they're trying to raise money for. The Lake Marion mascot quilts were created as a method of church fundraising. The names embroidered onto them were church members, families, and those who actually quilted the pieces. From these two pieces, we can see the level of community involvement and dedication to these churches, not only from those who donated the money to help make them, but from the women who donated their time to sew and embroider them. The other method of quilting, wherein pieces of cloth are combined in geometric patterns, is evidenced in the other two quilts featured in this podcast. The quilts from the Harry and Harriet Moore Memorial Park and from the Winter Garden Heritage Foundation are both patchwork quilts. Dorothy McDougall explains some sources of materials used in patchwork quilts. They had to use everything they had. Uh, I have seen quilts in museums where the mother had taken all of her children's baby clothes and made quilts for them and passed them on. The quilt at the Winter Garden Heritage Foundation has a unique pattern which can tell the story of the period in which it was made. Here, Dr. Sikarski explains more about the pattern and the narrative that the Winter Garden quilt represents. So the the quilt at Winter Garden is a trip around the world pattern. And a trip around the world was very popular during the Great Depression. And I think this is Uh, a Depression-era quilt, just looking at it, because the color palette is very sort of pastel and then some punches of green, and that's very typical of the 30s. 
Um, but Trip Around the World was so popular during the 30s because it's a very, what we call, a scrappy pattern. You don't need big, expensive pieces of fabric. You can use lots of different pieces of fabrics, scraps cut down from other things, you know, old bed clothes, old quilts. And uh, so it can be a very, very inexpensive quilt to make. Um, and they're also sort of, uh, you know, joyous because they have uh, so many different colors and patterns and a lot of creativity is involved. So um, if you have a lot of time on your hands and very little money on your hands, a quilt like this trip around the world is, is definitely uh, a quilt that it makes sense to make. Uh, so, you know, quilts like this uh, tell us, a lot about, you know, the period they tell us about, you know, how people lived that they, you know, rather than buying new would often, you know, make do and reuse and, you know, cut things down and make new from old. The Winter Garden quilt then evokes the experiences during the Great Depression in Central Florida. Some of the squares are from flour and feed sacks, which at the time were made from cloth instead of burlap and were covered with intricate design patterns. Their use in this quilt, then, tells us that American dry goods manufacturers at the time were marketing their products specifically towards women, which indicates that they were the main purchasing agents for household goods. Coincidentally, women were also the main producers of quilts. By marketing their products as having a dual-purpose utility, the product itself, and the ability to reuse the packaging, manufacturers knew that women in the Depression era would purchase their goods, and this marketing strategy attests to the agency of women as consumers in the early 20th century. The quilt at the Harry and Harriet Moore Memorial Park is an underground railroad primer and was made in the early 21st century. In each of the quilt squares, there is a geometric pattern with a specific name such as Jacob's Ladder or Log Cabin, which universally symbolizes a step or stage within the Underground Railroad. We asked Dr. Sikarski to talk more about the origins of this type of quilt and offer us some insights as to the significance of each square. There are two camps on where the Underground Railroad quilt comes from. Several historians uh, believe that the Underground Railroad quilt is actually a post-Civil War form uh, that uh, women were you know, remembering the Underground Railroad and trying to teach about the Underground Railroad to the next generation and use these quilts as a sort of memory tool, a teaching tool. The other view is that these were actually used earlier in the 19th century for the Underground Railroad, uh, though it's a common misconception that uh, these quilts were somehow a map to the Underground Railroad, like one block stood for Indiana. And they had a very specific uh, set of blocks on them, uh, starting with Jacob's Ladder, then Monkey Wrench, then Wagon Wheel. And each block had uh, a, a different meaning. For example, basket uh, uh, was a symbol of the fact that uh, one would need to take a lot of provisions for the journey north. And so these quilts uh, uh, could be hung up, you know, in the window of a home as if to air the quilt out. And uh, that would cue people in uh, to the fact that that was actually 
the, the home of someone who supported the Underground Railroad. So they weren't uh, maps so much as uh, markers of friends. Underground Railroad quilts that were made after the Civil War then can be viewed as an act of remembrance, similar to other historical reenactments. Whereas some chose to portray Civil War soldiers in authentic garb on the battlefield, here the emphasis is on remembering and recreating another specific event that is also a part of that era, the Underground Railroad and the escape of African Americans from enslavement. Each of the four quilts featured in this podcast tell a story. What is portrayed on these quilts is what was important to the person or persons making the quilt. Much like how books utilize words to convey a message, a narrative, and meaning, quilts do the same thing only through a visual medium. They, too, can be read like a text. The stories are there. One simply needs to know how to read it. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode of A History of Central Florida podcast. The quilts featured in this podcast are at four different locations. To see the mascot quilt, please visit the Claremont Historical Village at 490 West Avenue, Claremont, Florida, 34711. To see the Underground Railroad quilt, please visit the Harry and Harriet Moore Memorial Park at 2180 Freedom Avenue, Mims, Florida, 32754. To see the Lake Mary quilt, please visit the Lake Mary Historical Museum at 158 North Country Club Road, Lake Mary, Florida, 32746. And to see the Winter Garden quilt, please visit the Winter Garden Heritage Museum at 1 North Main Street, Winter Garden, Florida, 34787. Make sure to join us for our next episode titled Tapestries.